Good morning, Emmanuel Anglican Church. It's so great to be with you this morning, to be worshiping with you. Uh, my name is Tyler, Tyler Patty, and, and along with my wife, Lara, and our two sons, uh, Judah and Asher, we serve as missionaries in the Czech Republic. And we're so grateful that Emmanuel Anglican is our sending church. And you guys are such a great support and encouragement to us. Thank you for your prayers. Um, and it's just great to be with you. Thank you. Um, whether you're joining uh, this service in person or online, I'm really excited to look into Daniel 7 together as we continue in the series called Prayer, Politics, and the Power of God. Um, a little bit, bit of context. Um, uh, we, uh, we help lead a college here in the Czech Republic for young leaders all over Central and Eastern Europe. And uh, in the spring, during the first wave of COVID in this part of the world, uh, we had to move everything online. And uh, that was a big challenge, but I think it went pretty well. And then we started to get uh, comfortable again. Over the summer, things relaxed. The Czech government said, ah, things seem to be looking better. Um, we handled it really well the first time around. And let's just go business as usual. And unfortunately, now we are in wave two of the pandemic. And uh, if you if you Google <laughs> Czech Republic coronavirus, you'll see that the cases uh, on a daily basis are really disconcerting and it's having a really big impact on our ministry and even on those uh, closest to us. Um, next week we have another intensive conference and it'll be online again, um, back to online education. But really sadly, one of our students' uh, grandfathers passed away from the coronavirus last week. So would you pray for him, keep him in your prayers. We also have a teammate who lost his father couple weeks ago and so it's hitting really closely in the second wave and we're trying to be wise and careful but um, it's a it's a really big challenge um, I don't know about you but when when things like this happen it, it really gives me tunnel vision it's it's really hard to maintain a healthy wide perspective um, you might be feeling the same way with the upcoming election uh, or, or you might be feeling the same way with some of the injustices that you sense and feel in your city around you you might be feeling that in regards to your your job. Maybe it's been a season of great instability and uncertainty as to the future of your employment. It's very easy to have tunnel vision and to just kind of despair. When are we ever going to see the light? When are we going to get out of this? I know for me, that's a big challenge in our ministry right now. We appreciate your, your prayers for us as we try to be faithful in this season. And I believe that that's what Daniel chapter 7 has for us this uh, morning. Because Daniel uh, finds himself in chapter 7 in a, in a very difficult political situation, a very difficult personal situation, a very difficult um, workplace situation. And God helps him see the bigger perspective. Picture with me going to the Art Institute downtown and walking into the contemporary section, contemporary art section. If, uh, if you like contemporary art, uh, this might be a joy. For those of you who uh, might think that your four-year-old can do a better job, you might walk up close to an art piece and say, I don't get it. I don't see it. You walk right up, I don't, it doesn't make any sense. How do all these colors fit together and all the patterns? It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And if you were to ask a curator, he might tell you, take a couple steps back from the canvas. Take in the whole piece. And, and then see what emotions it evokes. Understand the patterns, the skill, the complexity, the layering. And it might help you. Daniel chapter 7 is going to do that for us as well. It's going to be a challenge to take a step back and to see things from a wider perspective. 
Let's pray, and then we'll open our text for this morning. God, it's so easy for us to have tunnel vision and to only focus on the things that are right in front of us or to only focus on our pet issues, maybe even to despair a little bit in this season of life. And I pray for all of us that you would give us your perspective this morning, that you'd allow us to see things um, from an eternal lens, um, not as a means of detachment, but as a means for a more faithful engagement in your world, in the context you've called us to. Give us your eyes, Jesus, in the power of the Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, uh, or if you have your book, your uh, your booklets, uh, would you open up to Daniel chapter seven with me? As I mentioned, Daniel chapter seven, uh, Daniel finds himself in a very challenging situation. It's kind of a flashback. It actually flashes back to chapter five. Um, Daniel is uh, is under is functioning in a very high political office under maybe the most shameless and corrupt and prideful leader he's ever known, Belshazzar. And Daniel is unwilling to be complicit in this corruption, but he still has a job to do. If you remember from two weeks ago in the story of the writing on the wall, Daniel goes before the king, kind of uh, dragging his feet, and says, interprets the vision, interprets the writing, and says, Belshazzar, your kingdom is going to come to an end because you've not honored God. He finds it's, a, it's an incredibly challenging place for Daniel to be. And I think what Daniel needs more than anything else in this season of his work, of his life, he needs an apocalypse. Maybe that comes as a surprise to you. He needs an apocalypse. But in the biblical sense, apocalypse doesn't mean end of the world, end of humanity, you know, everything falling apart, global doom. It actually means something a little bit broader. It means to reveal to unveil, to take a few steps back, to see the world painted with broader brush strokes. Daniel's going to receive an apocalypse in Daniel chapter 7. He's going to see things from the vantage point of God's kingdom. Let's take a look at our text. Um, Daniel chapter 7 opens um, with a vision. Let's start in chapter in verse 2. I saw in my vision by night, he's telling us what he saw. And behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. And four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. Let's pause. Immediately, we should think of Genesis chapter 1. The imagery is strikingly similar. If you remember when God created the world, before God spoke, the Spirit of God hovered over the deep. And it's this picture of God bringing order and, and stability to a chaotic system context. And that's what's happening here, uh, but a little bit differently. It's actually the Spirit of God is stirring up the sea. Maybe it's kind of antagonizing this chaos a little bit. And out of this sea, four beasts arrive. Uh, these beasts should cause us to be a little bit concerned, a little bit maybe even terrified, because they're not just beasts, they're actually mutants. <laughs> Let's take a look. The, the first beast, it says, it has, is a lion and has eagle's wings. And we might say, okay, a lion with eagle's wings, I can picture that. But then those wings get torn out, and then that lion is kind of raised up on its hind legs and told to walk around like a human. 
you can imagine that. It's a little disconcerting. Okay, beast number two, it's a bear. Okay, that's not too scary. <laughs> but it's kind of a hunched over bear. Uh, it says it's, uh, it's raised up on one side, and it's like not quite erect, and it has ribs hanging out of its mouth, and it's probably some, some deformed growth. Um, that's just like sticking out of his mouth and, and, and then he's told to devour much flesh. It should cause us to be a little concerned. Okay, next beast, beast number three, um, is a leopard and it has four wings on its back. Okay, but that also has four heads. <laughs> it's a little weird, a little strange. And dominion, it says in verse six, dominion was given to it. Ah, that should trigger us again. Genesis chapter 1. God gives dominion to humans. God creates humanity in his image and says, partner with me. Partner with me in this great project of spreading my glory over all the world. Participate me with the ongoing creative work. Have dominion. Rule over everything I've created. But these beasts are not humans. They're not image of God kind of stuff. They're deformed. They're scary. They're a little disconcerting. And none more than the fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. We're not given a picture of this beast, but we're shown that he goes around stamping anybody in his way and destroying and devastating everyone in his path, gnashing uh, his enemies with iron teeth. And then out of this beast comes a bunch of horns and one horn is bigger than the other and that horn has a, eyes and a mouth on it and it's just a mess. It's scary. It's terrifying. And this is a picture of the power structures in Daniel's world, in his context. The nations around him, the kings that act more like beasts than humans. It's a little disconcerting. And here's a second problem. Maybe not problem. Opportunity. The Ancient of Days. Let's read in verse 9. As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. God himself, Yahweh, the great king, shows up. And he places thrones. And if we're keeping Genesis 1 in mind, we should expect these thrones to be filled by image bearers who will perfectly reflect their king in the world. The ancient days is, is arrayed in light. He's all riding on a, on a glorious fiery chariot. And the court sits in judgment and the books are opened. Because the world is not how it should be. In verses 11 through 12, these beasts have their power taken away from them. They are not worthy to sit on the thrones next to the Ancient of Days. These, king, these, these kings, these powers, these nations, these beasts are revealed to be what they truly are. Um, deformed uh, versions of, of image bearers. And the beast, the most terrifying beast is killed his power is taken away. The rest of the beasts have their dominion taken away from them. And then, uh, then we're left with a problem. Who will rule? Who will sit under the authority of the Ancient of Days? 
And here's the most important part of this chapter, verses 13 through 14. A son of man, a true human, comes up to the court, to the Ancient of Days, and he's given the chance to sit on a throne. Daniel says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. When it says a son of man, it doesn't, it's not a title quite yet. Um, it's more a, a description. When the Hebrew uses this kind of a phrase, it means that it's, a, it's someone with this kind of a characteristic. So a son of man is a human being. But we see that this is more than just a human being because it's in great contrast to all these beasts all around him. This is someone really special, all the more made special because he comes to the Ancient of Days, is presented before him, presented to take up one of these thrones that no one else can fill. And in verse 14, to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people's nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. This is amazing. Here is finally one who is up to the task, who can fill this void of good leadership in the world, who can truly image God and participate in the spreading of his kingdom. But it's interesting because everywhere else in the book of Daniel, when it says this phrase, his dominion is an everlasting dominion, it's always referencing God and his dominion. This son of man is, is someone really special. Daniel receives this vision and is overwhelmed by it, as we might all be, to see behind the power structures of his day and to see them for what they truly are and to see what God has in store. But he knows that it's a little more complicated than that. Uh, he has some questions. It says, he says, as for me, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious and the visions of my head alarmed me. Maybe you're feeling the same way. This is overwhelming. This is crazy. How is this going to work out? Actually, practically, I have to go to work tomorrow. And so he asks an angel standing by, can you explain a little bit more? And he gets a little bit more information, but not a lot. But what he does get is verse 18 He's told the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and ever. This is amazing. Not only is there a true human who's up to the task, who's different than all the beasts of the world, but this son of man, true human, will open up the way for the saints, for the people of God to fulfill their destiny to fulfill the task that was given to them at the beginning of creation, to have dominion, to rule, not, not, not with abuse, not with, uh, not with pride, but in grace and kindness and under the authority of the King of Kings. The Son of Man opens up the way for us to be truly human again. Daniel goes on and he wants to know a little bit more. He's confused. He doesn't quite, it's like, okay, thanks God. Can I have a little bit more information? And the angel tries to explain and Daniel gets more confused. 
what Daniel gets is the assurance that things might get worse before they get better. He gets an image of this special bigger horn that's going to speak out against the Most High that's going to cause lots of pain for the saints. Things might get still get worse on the historical arena before they get better. But he's assured again in verse 26, the court shall sit in judgment and his dominion shall be taken away. Those who abuse the authority that God's given them will not last. They will not last. They will not have the final word. And instead, verse 27, this dominion will be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. And his kingdom, God's kingdom, the Most High's kingdom, shall be an everlasting dominion, kingdom. And all dominions shall serve and obey him. This is the apocalypse. This is the unveiling of what's truly happening in the world. The kingdom of God is coming, will come. God will have the final word on the abuse of power structures in our, in our time as well. Daniel responds and says, uh, my thoughts greatly alarmed me. My color changed, but I kept the matter in heart. I think Daniel knows that the way to respond to this kind of an apocalyptic vision is not just to sit back and wait. It's not just to take a deterministic view and say, well, God, you've got it under control, obviously, so you do what you want to do. I think he knows there's hard work to be done. He's going to have to go back to Belshazzar the next day and be faithful in his, in his political situation that is less than ideal. It is almost dangerously unideal. But he goes back with a larger perspective. He knows that things may get worse before they get better. For us, our hope cannot be in the power structures of this world. For good or for ill, our hope cannot be ultimately in parties, in policies, in debates, and coalitions. Although we might participate in them and they might play a role, but our ultimate hope is in the inbreaking of God's kingdom. In the inbreaking of God's kingdom, which removes, utterly devastates the abusive power structures of the world. And it's in that hope that God will set things right, that we get to work. I have a couple challenges for us this morning. Number one, settle in for the long journey of faithfulness with the King of Kings. Settle in for the long journey. Uh, this kind of a vision sets us up for a marathon. This does not give quick, easy answers, but it causes us to reflect on how do I stay faithful to the kingdom of God that is coming and still go to work, still be witness, still work to dismantle um, the, the problematic power structures of the day. Settle in for the long journey. Number two, make an allegiance audit of your life. Maybe do this regularly. Reflect and think, how am I showing my allegiance to, to who am I showing my allegiance to, first of all? Is my ultimate allegiance to the kingdom of God, to the, the king of kings and lord of lords? Or am I placing too much hope in rulers of today? 
it's, it's a good thing to reflect on. Third challenge, ask for an apocalypse of the Son of Man. If you feel like you have tunnel vision, you just might need to ask for an apocalypse, for an unveiling, for God to pull back the veil, for to, the God, the great curator of the universe, to pull you back from the canvas so that you can see what God is up to, to see the beasts for what they truly are, and to see the kingdom of God as it is and as it's coming, and to help you to see how to be truly human for this season of your life. In Mark chapter 14, Jesus, standing before the high priests, declares, you will see the Son of Man coming in glory on the clouds of heaven. He declares to the systems of abuse of his day, change is coming. You might have me on trial, but change is coming. The kingdom of God is on the move. And in this moment, he declares, I am the Son of Man. I'm the one, I'm the true human this world has been waiting for, and I will open up the way for the people of God to be truly human again. We need this perspective. We need to turn our eyes to the Son of Man, the true Adam, the King who received his throne, not through manipulation, bestial aggression, exploitation of the vulnerable, Jesus Christ received his throne by living the life of a servant, by healing and preaching the good news to those who were forgotten and exploited, and even by dying the grisly death of a criminal on the cross. In this, he showed us what it truly means to be human. And when God raised his son from the dead, it was the first of the final nails in the coffin of the evil that animates our world. And of course, we await the final blow when Christ will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. His dominion will have no end. And in this act, he will unite heaven and earth. He will devastate the evil, the beasts, and forever open up the way to be truly human again under his perfect and good kingship. May we all guard these things in our hearts like Daniel. Work them out. Work out how, to, how does this impact my faithfulness today, tomorrow. And may we have the eyes to see the bigger picture, the apocalypse of our world, to see it from the vantage point of God's kingdom. I pray that we may have courage to call out the beasts as well and to do the hard work of faithfulness in the less than ideal circumstances that we find ourselves in today. May our final allegiance be to the Son of Man, Jesus, the true Adam, our King. Blessings, Emmanuel, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.